Good afternoon and welcome back to the Home Inspection Network. I'm so glad to be back. Oh, it has been the beginning two weeks of the, the oh I'm in the second month, wow, of the new year and uh, we have some big news going on with the, um, the government uh, causing a bunch of uproar by adding uh, a bunch of new things. So we're going to go over that today. Uh, we have new government assistance. For uh, first-time home buyers, we have um, looks like we have some additional credits if you are a first-time home buyer as well. Uh, veterans also get some new stuff, and um, it's also going into a, a new market. So we're going to go ahead and go through that, um, and then what the realtors have to say about some of this as well. So let's go ahead and jump right in and go over some of the the fun things of 2023 uh so now we're in february uh 8 of 2023 and uh right now we have issues where the the housing market uh has kind of gone down a, a lot and uh, we don't have a lot of sales anymore and most of the time this this happens because uh people either don't have the money to buy uh the amount necessary for a conventional loan is usually 20 percent if you have over 20%, then you don't apply, they don't apply the additional taxes. So if you were to buy a home in California, for example, and you were doing a thing called a conventional loan, it means that you're paying 20% or greater. Now that 20% is whatever the amount of the house costs. So if the, if the house, let's say, is $600,000 or six, yeah, around 600000 you're putting about $145,000, $149,000 down. It's a lot of money. And if you buy yourself maybe a three hundred and thirty thousand dollar house, uh, you twenty percent of that. So you're still looking at a pretty high amount, and a lot of people do not have this amount to put down on a house. The second option is an FHA, first time home buyer. Um, so first time home buyer, you have a couple of different options there. First time home buyers, uh, three to five percent. Uh, your credit score has to be over. Uh, I think it was a 580 still. Um, most people will do it at 600 to 620 just to be safe. And it gives you better better funding, better loan options. Uh, so it really depends on if you're... And you can have as many first-time home buyer purchases in a year or even within a few years. So for example, if I bought a brand new home... In 2020, for a first-time home buyer, and then 2021, I want to buy another house. I don't have to sell the previous house, but I have to abide by the laws that I have to live there for at least uh, two years. So that's going to be that. And then there's another thing where if you receive the governmental um, $10,000 credit, which was towards the down payment of the house, then you have to stay there at least five years. If you move out within that five years or you sell the house within the five years, uh, then you will just be under the penalty. I believe it was like um, it's like 50%. So if you're pay, if you're getting 10000 and you leave in three years, then you'd pay 5000 If you leave in four years, you only pay like 1000 something like that. Uh, so these are, the, these are the assistant programs that the government has. Uh, what else? And then this. Oh, and then the government has also added another, um, or implemented another credit, uh, 
I believe it's, it depends on who you are and if you are over a certain age, a military or non-military, um, and you also have a certain credit score. And then you would be uh, eligible for the uh, additional grants that the government is allowing for first-time home buyers. So these are the, the new things that are going on in California. We are having trouble with the houses being sold right now, though. So you're having the houses sold very slowly. Um, prior to 2019, we were having about roughly 132-something houses sold a day. Now we're down to probably, I want to say, 24 houses sold a day. Yeah, so it's a big drop. And, of course, we can't count 2020 and 2022 or 2021 because those were the the housing market was just insane. And it was skyrocketing to about a thousand some houses sold a day. Uh, so we're going back to the prior days after 2011. Uh, so in 2011, after the market crash of 2008, the housing market was up to about uh, roughly two or 300 houses sold a day. And then in 2011, it dropped to roughly about 32 to 40 houses a day. So we're pretty much recirculating back to this era. So we're back in roughly a 2011, maybe, maybe near 2010 era. And... You can see that the housing market, it, it's stimulated once in a while uh, by different things. So the housing market can jump, it can go back down, it can jump, it can go back down, it can jump, but it always will repeat itself in five to ten years. You'll see the same routine every five to ten years. And being in this business for 14 years, it's definitely something that I see a lot, uh, where it's either going to be a high and then a low, and then a high, and then a mid, and then a high, and then a high, and then a mid, and then a low, and then a low, and then a mid, and just keeps, you know, it's just got this whole thing to it. So it's very easy to find the housing market, but it's hard to see what it's going to do next because you never know when it's going to dip. It could stay the way it's going to be for a while, and then it dips or, or so forth. So these are some of the things that I've been looking at recently. And, of course, the home inspections have been pretty slow. I mean, we're looking at about, uh, we were doing roughly about 100 home inspections a week. Um, we went down to 50 in 2022. We were at 50, roughly about 50 a week uh, to, to um, 30. And then now weekly, we're probably around 12 maybe 12 sometimes six so yeah we've dropped tremendously and every home inspection company is getting hit hard by this so once one inspection is available we're all fighting over it it appears um that's what i've noticed in the last couple of weeks so yeah the california housing market isn't the best now being a home inspector i also have uh, opportunities in different fields that I can jump into different areas. So one another field that I'm working in is solar. And we just came solar contractors in 2023. Actually, the end of 2022 to 2023. And um, we're now going to start selling solar. So we've provided our flyers out. And 
Now the solar market has actually slowed down right after we got into it. It was going pretty quick. You know, everybody was buying solar, 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 and then now that's really slowed down a bit. I did hear, though, this is a slow season for solar. So the the fast season, uh, the season's coming up in March. February, March, and April, usually we're supposed to get more and more business. So we'll see what happens with that. I am seeing a lot of people talking about solar. I don't see a lot of people actually buying solar. Um, And I think it has to do with a few different things. Solar prices in 2022 were at a pretty low rate. I mean, you could buy solar for 14 grand. In 2021, it was easily 11 to 14. And then in 2022, it kind of went up to 20,000. The top, I think, was like 26,000. But in 2023, the prices have been raised and the APRs have gone up. So now we're looking at solar anywhere from, let's see, if you have a 2,000 square foot house and you need 20,000 kilowatts, you're looking about 24, 22 to 24 panels at 7 kilowatt panels, that's going to cost you roughly $30,000. And if you need the electrical panel redone, it's going to cost you two or three thousand dollars more. So you can see how now solar has jumped up for a two thousand square foot, used to be fourteen to sixteen grand, and now we're up to about thirty grand. So we've doubled in the last three to five years. So with solar, how it works is the amount of electricity necessary. You don't have to jump to the max possible. You can go down to probably, you know, 80 to 90%. In some instances, we have to go that low. Like SMUD, for example. Mm-hmm. SMUD, we can't hit 100%. We can only hit 80%. But with PG&E, we can go to 100%. It used to be 140%, and we get, you know, people will get credit back because they were going over their 100%. But now PG&E has changed in 2023. Uh, APRs have changed. We were able to go down as low as 3.99%, and now we're up to about, I think we're at 499 or 599 at the lowest. So now that's gone up to 8.99 at the highest, which has never been that high ever. It was at 5.99 for the last three years, and now it's jumping up to 8, which is a three, um, 3.0 jump onto the original solar plants. So if you're getting solar, uh, remember a couple of big things. One is there's more than one company. And then two, check with everybody, get a quote from everybody, make your decision from there. And three, finally, make sure you're not getting the Chinese solar panels. They only last about five to ten years for some, and some will last you maybe 15. But you're looking at a few different panels um, you can get the Tesla panels. So there's no guarantee they'll last 25 years, but 20 years is your possibility. Uh, you can go for LG panels. Those will last you 25. You can go Canadian panels. Those will last you 25. You want only tier one. So Chinese solar panels are either tier two or tier three. Uh, they don't last very long. They don't accumulate much energy, and then they deteriorate at a faster rate. Every solar panel will deteriorate at 0.5% per year. doesn't matter what you buy. Every year, your deterioration of energy 
and the consumption or the output will be 0.5 every year. So if you were to buy a solar panel at, for 25 year at a 5.99% APR running you 33,000 for 20,000 kilowatts, for example, you're expected 20,000 kilowatts. You're going to go to 19,999.5 the following year. And then you'll be at 1999,099 the next year, you know. So that's how it works. And every year. Now, if one of the panel goes out, you should also know that some companies will fix them for free and some companies will not. So definitely want to find out if you're going to get solar panels, if they're the installer, are they going to give you the repairs for free for the 25 years or are they going to not have that warranty and you will have to pay for the additional panel if one is damaged? Find these out because these are very, very important. A lot of people don't care about that. They see the bling where some solar companies will add an incentive like you get our solar panels, we'll give you security system for free. But there's a catch, you know, you don't know you have to pay on the security system every year, every month. Or you get solar panels with us, we give you free Hulu the whole time you have our solar panels. Well, there's there's more to that. What about the repairs? What about if I'm not getting my 20,000 kilowatts for the first year? I have met two companies out there that wanted me to join them. And I looked at their information and their software, their app system for checking the solar panels, their uh, solar panels in general. And basically how it works is if they're damaged, the repairs are not made right away. They'll wait. Or if you get solar with them, you don't actually get to use your solar for the first year. Can you imagine that? You get solar panels in one year, but you have you don't get any electricity savings at all for the first year at all. You have to wait the second year before you actually see any type of savings. And they may not be as high as you think. For example, I can't tell you the name of the company. But this is what they have. You get solar with them. They will give you a security system for free. And the solar panels that you get, let's say you get 20,000 kilowatts, would be about $40,000. That's right. It's a lot higher than everybody. They are literally higher than everybody. Now, you get the solar panels with them. But you get no electricity from the solar panels for the first year. That means that after the first year is up, they see how much energy you've used. Now, even though you have a 20,000 kilowatt system and it will cover all electricity needs, if you do not use up to 20,000 kilowatts in the first year, let's say you use 17,000. After that first year, you only get 17,000 kilowatts. They will take panels off of your roof and they'll keep you at what you need to be. Now, that's pretty bad because you're paying $40,000 for 20,000 kilowatts. But they're only, they're going to take your forty thousand. They're going to give you seventeen thousand kilowatts, three thousand kilowatts, and what you were approved on, what you agreed on, what you sent the contract on. 
that's pretty bad. Now that that's not a good company at all. Unfortunately, I cannot tell you the company, but if you hear the word Vivient Security System for free, you probably either know or you've heard of them. Yeah, so that's something that we have to think about when we're buying solar. Okay, so now we got through the solar. We got through some of the incentives the governments are providing. Let's go ahead and go over the the home inspection process for solar. Now, as a home inspector, a lot of home inspectors don't even check the solar. They don't even inspect the solar. There are three types of systems for solar. Now, as a solar contractor, I know about solar now. I've learned all the system, what to look for, so I know how to inspect them. I say maybe only 2 to 4% of home inspectors are actually going to look at solar panels and going to identify if there's an issue. The three different types of solar panels are this. The first type of solar panel is called, uh, this is the American solar panels. They're either made in Georgia or they're made in Canada. Even though they're American, yes, they're made in Canada. They are called Canadian panels. And the reason they're called Canadian panels is because of the way that they're processed. Uh, they have the upper and the lower portions, and they're tightly together and they're very thin. And they have many adapters attached to every one of them. They're not the cheapest, but they're not the most expensive either. They provide efficient energy, allowing for uh, an app on your phone so you can check every solar panel individually, identify if there's any issues with electricity how much input and output they're producing and any additional details if they're even working or not working. Like if there's a damaged one, it'll tell you this one's damaged. But you can see every panel from your phone. There is no converter attached to the house. There are microconverters attached to each panel individually along with the Wi-Fi uh, signal allowing you to see it on your phone. Now, that's the first type. The set, second type of solar panel is still home. These are Chinese solar panels or American. There's a converter attached to the house, either inside the garage or the exterior. The converter is of a size matching the amount of electricity output or input from what the solar panels produce. If it's uh, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 or more kilowatts, it will have a bigger converter. The bigger converter, the more kilowatts. The smaller converter, the little amount of kilowatts you have. So if you have a tiny little sunrun converter in your garage, that tiny little sunrun, you more likely will have 14,000 kilowatts. Something like that. Then you have uh, the third type, which is going to be commercial or for farms or if you have a house, but you have an old house and you can't put solar panels on the house. Older houses built before 1950s, the roofs are not, they don't have trusses. So they can't hold the amount of weight of the solar panels, the amount that you need. So instead, we have to put them in the field, or we have to put them behind our house, or so forth. These type of solar panels are standard solar panels. Standard solar panels, if, usually if there's a clearing, we're able to put them in. You don't have to put that many in, but you can put a lot if you wanted to. You can expand them whenever you need to. These are very, very efficient. They work very well. They're lower than the other type of solar panels, but 
The good news is you can go over the amount that you really need. So if you have a house that's 1,400 square feet, but you have a barn in the back or a garage that you use for everything, you know, all your work, refrigerators, whatever have you, uh, and that also takes another 10,000 kilowatts, you know, you're no problem. You can have as much as you want. Okay, and then you have, uh, those are the three different types of solar panels uh, attached to your home. But then you also have to think about uh, what the converter, how big it is, and if it's going to be a nuisance to you. It takes up space in the garage, means you can't put stuff against the wall. If on the outside of the house, then that could be an issue as well, because if it goes out, then they have to come out and fix it. So it's these are the few different things you have to worry about. If there's the microconverters attached to each of the solar panels, you really don't have to worry about it too much. It's out of sight, out of mind. And if a solar panel goes out, it'll let you know. So the best one I would always say is the micro. Tesla is on the outside of your house. There's two ways to install Tesla. Either one, you can buy it yourself and install it yourself. There's instruction manuals. It's not very hard to do. There's some mounting you have to do. That's about it. It's easier if you do not have tile roofing. It's easier if you have composite shingle roof. The second part of Tesla solar panels is if you go to a company and they say, yeah, we can install solar panels from Tesla, no problem. You will need to pay the additional amount for the solar panels because they don't offer it. So they would order it for you and upcharge. So these are the different ways you can get Tesla solar panels. How long are Tesla solar panels last i cannot say i mean every solar panel so far built in america has lasted 25 years uh or guaranteed to last 25 years i apologize so the guarantee means that if any of them go out they're repaired for free that's your guarantee if you have any issues with the solar panels they will repair and come out for free you pay no additional money that's called the guarantee if you're getting solar panels with a company and they say there is no guarantee that means that you pay out of pocket for any type of repairs done on those solar panels. If a solar panel goes out, you pay for a brand new solar panel, either through the company or a third party, and then you have to have them install it, whoever you bought it from. The original company may void your warranty if there is any warranties for the first five years. On the solar panels, usually that's the minimum, and as high as 25 years. If anybody else works on the solar panels besides the company who installed so you definitely want to make sure you talk to the company first to make sure that uh, you know what your warranties are so you're not losing money or, or losing issues uh, with your solar panels and having to pay out of pocket. That would be pretty bad. Now with the home sales going down, the alternative for home sales is, is a rental. Now as a home inspector, when you're looking at solar panels, uh, we look for three big things. One is discoloration. Most all solar panels built in America are now all black. If they turn purple, they're broken. Second is if the converter is making a loud noise. If it's a humming noise or a noise, then that's a sign of an issue with the converter. The output and input could be an issue too if a solar panel is damaged and the converter is also making noises. When inspecting a solar panel, make sure you check the lower brackets underneath Identify that they are attached with one or two half-inch bolts with a rubber valve or a grommet under it. If there's not a rubber grommet, then it's not watertight, and there may be issues with water infiltration, damaging the wood underneath, and loosening the solar panel. That can be a biggie. 
If you want to inspect the solar panels yourself, go ahead and look for these things. Also, any corner of the solar panels or sides of the solar panels need to be completely straight. If they are bent, chipped, or anything like that, a bird may have gotten to it and started whacking at it. Okay, well, that's solar panels. Um, I'll go ahead and do one last thing here. Give me a second. And we'll go over um, some more on the houses. Uh, looks like we have a few of the new houses being built in our area and being sold with older houses. Uh, 40 years old, it looks like, being sold in my neighborhood. Wow. For $600,000. Um, it looks like we have the older houses being sold higher than the new houses. So in California, we have all the new houses being sold from anywhere from 400000 to $20,000. More than what if you bought an older house of the same height. Why other houses uh, farther away, West Sac and so forth, are a lot more expensive. Okay, I'll go ahead and uh, catch up with you in a few minutes, one moment, and we'll go ahead and continue the podcast. All right, I'm back. Sorry about all that. Uh, so it looked like there was some issues with the uh, another client trying to figure out how to fix their, their solar, and uh, we did not install it, but they want to know if we can install it. So it's we, I get a lot of these questions, you know. I got solar from another company, and the solar company is no longer in business, and we want to get them fixed. What do we do? Oh, man. So this has been a big thing lately, and um, I totally forgot to go over this, too. So a lot of people got solar roughly about 10 years or 14 years ago, and they went to a company that is no longer in business now. I don't know why they're not in business. They're just not in business. So this has been a big issue. Uh, who's going to repair it? Who's going to fix it? Well, the problem is we can't use those same solar panels. So even if they bought the solar panels and paid full price, fourteen grand, you know, 10, 18 years ago, we have to reinstall a whole new setup for them, which puts them back at a whole new bill, a monthly bill. Now, the good thing about solar is your monthly bill can be anywhere from $49 a month, $68 a month, or $83 a month. The highest I've seen is about $140 a month, but it's very rare. And this is the reason why is because solar is starting, it was a booming market, and now it's starting to go down in prices because of the government providing additional incentives to not only, not only people buying solar by a federal credit, but also people um, wanting to, you know, open up their own solar company or new contractors coming out and so forth. So the incentive on solar was 30% to 35% in 2021 and 2022. They've lowered that now to 26% in 2023, may possibly even lower in 2024, which means that if you got a 20,000 kilowatt system, that costs you $30,000, you're getting a check. I can't be precise. I'm just letting you know because I'm not um, a tax professional. Um, this is not any tax professional type of information, but anywhere over $10,000. 
Now I have seen some people get eight, eight to nine thousand on a um, twenty thousand dollar system, uh, but it depends on how many kilowatts you got. That is the main priority. We try to get all clients over that plateau to make sure that they get the highest credit possible. At the same time, not breaking the bank and providing a low amount every month to them. So this is why we provide this incentive. Uh, on our side uh, for solar. So we have that 25 years guarantee, no additional, um, if anything happens to your solar panel, still repaired for free, that kind of thing. Um, some companies like to skip this and then what they'll do is they'll take that that additional money and uh, just charge you again so they can get more money from you. And Or others will give you an incentive, like they'll give you money back uh, or they'll give you um, – uh, finder's fee if you if you have your friend and gets solar with them after you've gotten solar you get another thousand dollars or something like that we do offer the five hundred and a thousand dollar incentive if you do bring your friends over to us um after installation we like you to enjoy your solar first get used to it in about three to four months and then you know if you feel comfortable then go ahead and tell your friends about it or you can do it in the beginning if you want that's all up to you but we do want people to enjoy their solar first and see how they like their solar before they jump over and start telling everybody about it. Um, that way they can have a better understanding and when they tell their friend, they'll be able to provide better information. Um, but that's that's pretty much the gist of it when it comes down to the solar. Uh, let's see here. So now the, the market. Oh, so for 2023... Now, even though it's gone down to 26% as in federal credit, um, solar has actually, excuse me, solar pricing will be going down about 30% to 35% in the new year of 2024. So 2023 will be running a little bit off of 2022, and then 2024 will be running more uh, of, a, of a different category in pricing altogether to kind of meet um, the inflation and and people's income-based system, you know, so we don't have to, people don't have to pay so much for solar anymore. I should have always been a low price anyway, I believe, but I don't know why it kept going up every year. Maybe because they were making a lot of money or something. Um, now the housing market has gone down a bit and we're having issues with the feds. They just raised the um, the limit. I am seeing people still getting 5.0% APR to 6.5% APR. As low as 4.9% APR. So it's it's not unheard of getting a low rate if you were to buy a house right now. But it's probably difficult. And after doing my inspections, I'll usually uh, go over some of the, my findings. You know, if I found that the eaves or the fascia damage. And then, you know, if they're buying the house, how much they will need to pay for repairs. And we can do a bid as well. Uh, repairs on any house that you purchase... Depends on um, if the seller is willing to do the credit or not. So if you, if let's say you're buying a house in California in 2023 or 2024 or in the future, you buy a house here and I find $10,000 worth of damages and then you go over uh, and you tell your realtor you want to get a bid for that damage and then you get a bid and then you use that as credit and the seller says, ah, I'm not going to fix anything. You fix it yourself if you really want it. You know, and then they'll give you that credit. Um, they'll also usually when you buy a house in California, your 
AC and heating system will have a one-year warranty along with that purchase of that house. That way you don't have to worry about paying out of pocket if something was to go out. A home inspector should be able to identify any issues with the HVAC and the AC condenser and how old the AC condenser is by the Freon type. The two Freon types were prior to 2013 was the R22 Freon, which was discontinued January 1st, 2020, now substituted for the R407 Freon. It was very bad for the ozone layer, so they wanted to switch it out, and the R407 is a bit better. You still use the same system. You don't need to replace it or anything like that. You just replace the Freon itself. The new systems we use now for the Freon is an R410. Uh, we're using, we were using copper coils for the Vepra coil. Now we're using uh, aluminum coils for the um, Vepra coil. That goes along with the HVAC system, allowing for proper AC system and cooling of the home. Now, if you're buying a newer system from an old system like the R410A, you should pay uh, no more than six to seven thousand dollars. Yes, that's right, six to seven thousand dollars. There are people paying twenty to thirty thousand dollars for a new AC condenser in evaporator coil, or fifteen thousand dollars even. This is completely outrageous. You can buy it yourself and just have somebody install it, a professional install it. The AC condenser itself, the lowest one on the market is about $1,500. And the most expensive one on the market is roughly about five dollars to $7,000. And if you wanted to get a decent one, let's say you have a 3,000 square foot home, then you need to get at least a five-ton system uh, running 12.8 ounces of Freon. And you could be running your R410A on that with a 40 amp breaker. So you're saving yourself a lot of electricity. The AC is not on all the time, and it will cool the whole house efficiently. You don't need to get yourself a dual system. You can just get yourself a single. A 3,000-square-foot house, some people will use a dual system. What that means is that it fluctuates between the upper and lower floors. A dual system, uh, the system itself, the condenser itself, has an intermediate uh, control that allows it to fluctuate between the lower and upper floor, either simultaneously or individually. So if you want the heater on upstairs and the AC on downstairs, it'll work downstairs. You want the AC up upstairs, the heater on downstairs, it'll work upstairs. You want the AC on both floors, it'll work both floors. Not efficiently, if you have an older house and you switch it out from an R22 to an R410A, then you would need to get an additional return added to your house. Normal houses have one return uh, built from 2005. If you get a bill from 2017, you probably already have a couple um, different returns and it's not necessary because it already has a 410A. Uh, these are the new systems and they work very efficiently. The AC is very cool and it keeps you nice and cool by lowering your bill as well, not a higher bill. Why the R22 systems use a 50 to 60 amp breaker is a bit higher in electricity value. Not, not very good for you. Uh, even if you use the new R407, you're still running it a lot more and higher power. Okay, then we have um, the HVACs are, are a lot cheaper than you could buy it for. People will try to overcharge you, of course. Now we have your lifted or slab foundation. So a lifted foundation is there's an exterior, underneath your house, there's an exterior area 
um, which is all cement, and then you have a hollow area underneath your floorboard. So when you're walking around, it feels hollow. Well, that's because it's, it is. It's hollow underneath. But it has uh, piers and stands holding up areas of the house along a girder. Uh, usually there's five to six girders, and that will hold up your house. This type of house uh, will have a heating issue because the floors will be cold longer. Uh, this type of house also is usually built before 1965. So if you find a house before 1965, more likely you have a subfloor and a crawl space. If you find a house after 1964, sometimes even up to 1981 I've seen uh, that has crawl spaces, um, then you normally would have a slab foundation, which is a solid piece of concrete, either square or rectangular, and that would then have your house built upon that. All houses now, uh, since uh, 1989, has, or even 1985s, some, depending on where you are in California or United States, uh, are built with slab foundations. So all the new houses, of course, are slab. No need to worry there. Uh, then you'll have um, areas of the crawl space that will stay cooler longer, so you won't be able to actually heat up your house in the wintertime and in the summertime. You don't have to worry about it because it's already nice and cool underneath. Uh, slab foundations seem to have a little bit harder time to heat and cool, um, so it does take a little bit longer, but it depends anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes. So when cooling your house, your AC or heating system shouldn't be on for more than one hour. So one hour is your immediate time. It should turn off. Be off for about two hours and then turn on again for another hour. That is an efficient home, a very energy efficient home. If you don't have that going on right now, you probably have some areas that need to be looked at or you need what we call an energy audit. An energy audit is where me or some other one from either SMUD or another company will come out and we would make your house pretty much a vacuum. We would cover the front door with a fan and a cover, close all the windows and seal them, close all the air vents and seal them with a bag or something over the, the vents, including the return. And then we would turn on the fan, sucking the air out of the house until it becomes a vacuum. Once it becomes a vacuum, we have a control system hooked up to a laptop and we measure the amount of air exiting the house. Upon that exiting air, You'll have a diagram of up and down, depending on how much air and fluctuation of 14,000 or more, usually 14,340 is the amount of air we want. That is an efficient home. If it's more than that, then we may have an issue. If it's less than that, then it's a small, tiny house. But it's usually about that, and that's originally about 1,500 square feet. So... We're identifying where the leaks are coming from. So how do we do it? We run the vacuum. We have a thermal camera and we go throughout the house and we check the areas of nooks and crannies and the windowsills and everywhere to see if there's any leaks anywhere that we're looking at that could cause more airflow than necessary. Once we find those leaks, we take pictures and mark them and then we check the diagram to see how much airflow and we see if we can fix that airflow. So let's say it's 16,900 and whatever. Well, that's too much air. So we know we have somewhere air is coming from the outside into the house and then going out of the front door. So we need to find out where that hole is, leak or whatever. We fix that area. We should be back down to that 14,000 and so forth. 
So this is a, a one way called an energy audit to fix your house of leaks and help prevent from having your AC or heating system on so long. Very few people get an energy audit because the price is about $400 to $600, as high as $890. It's expensive, but it's very efficient because all the work is involved with the audit. You don't pay anything extra for the construction. It's part of it. I think some companies actually do charge extra for the construction, but they shouldn't. That's pretty much just my opinion. Okay, so there's your energy audit. And then there's your home and efficiency for energy from AC and heating system. Uh, as a home inspector, you do not need to test for this. You would need to be licensed or you need to be um, at least have the equipment, which is pretty expensive. And you have to know how to do it. So you have to have the software, the equipment, and the training. But a home inspector normally does not do this. This is an energy audit. I do it because I was trained. I trained myself. I took the videos and I got my license to do it. It is something that I do on the side. Being a home inspector, you have a lot more opportunities because you can advance your career by learning more every year by 40 hours or more by either using and utilizing ASHI, American Society of Home Inspectors. They provide free training for every member of ASHI. It's $459 a year. It also provides you with additional discounts for flying, traveling, hotels, and more. It's always good to check it out all the time. There are other issues um, in houses that you'll be looking at as a home inspector or your home inspector may tell you about. Cosmetic and aesthetics is one of them. He'll point out maybe settling cracks or issues where you may not need to worry about because you can't get any credit for it. It's just there. Settling cracks happen when the house shifts, usually within the seasons, either spring, summer, fall, winter, and so forth. Your house will expand and despand due to the weather. So your house is made of wood. Even though you have stucco or EIF stucco on the exterior or even cement stucco, your house is still built of wood, which means that it will get colder and will get hotter. And when it gets colder, it could disband. When it gets hotter, it could expand. So you definitely want to look for the settling cracks and fix them when you see them. Uh, using caulking and paint, you can recock and repaint those areas. They are cosmetic and aesthetics. They do not apply to credit along the home credit from a home inspection. You will see them on your home inspection report. Unless they're one inch thick um, and one foot long, technically, uh, they don't really mean anything. Now, if it is one inch wide and more than one foot long, then more likely it's not a settling crack. Instead, it's a structural crack. Structural cracks are not even. They're not horizontal or vertical straight. Instead, they go at kind of like a stairs down or stairs up. You'll know a suddenly crack because it's it's always vertical or horizontal. It's usually near windows and doors, uh, either frames or so forth, because of the that's where the tape is for the sheetrock. So the sheetrock tape can either separate and cause settling to happen from the paint, or you could have issues where the paint itself um, in certain areas have cracked. It's not the actual sheetrock. It's the cracking of the paint, but it really depends. Uh, usually door frames and window frames, arches and so forth are where it happens, but there are other areas too. Uh, structural cracks, I've seen a few in my time, and it's very rare, and, and, and it's usually in older houses or houses that were not taken care of at all. Um, some people put, instead of shake, the house came with shake roof material, 
they would replace it with composite, and that can cause uh, structural cracking because it doesn't have, it has too much weight. So there's a lot of ways to find out if you have structural cracks. One is take pictures of it and go online and look up structural cracking, and then you'll see pictures of it and see if they're the same. If you feel they're the same, you can get a contractor or, any, or a home inspector to look at it for free. Or some home inspectors may charge you $50 or $100 to come out. And then once you identify what it is, uh, then we would write up a report to give to a contractor so they can repair it. It can be kind of pricey. It really depends on how many structural cracks you know there are. Usually when you see one structural crack on one side of the house, it will continue along that side of the house, but the other side of the house will be okay because the shifting isn't consistent. Uh, if you have a, um, a lifted foundation, then it's, it's more common than if you have a slab foundation, but it's not unheard of. It's very possible you can have it in a slab foundation. Structural cracking is caused by many different things. Uh, one of the basic issues of structural cracking is a broken um, stud or uh, it's called a king stud. So king studs is what actually holds up certain areas of your house from the roof to the ground. Your garage in a one-story house built in 2017 will lower more likely along the door, upper door frame area, about maybe almost a foot and a half to two feet would have a king stud holding up the second floor. If it's a single-story house, you would still have a king stud in that area because it would be holding up the roof. Another king stud would be in the common living room area along that main wall. That would be your weight-bearing wall. A third king stud, if you have a two-story would be in the upper portion right before the stairs on the right side or the left side of the stairs, as well as another one upstairs where the roof offsets, you'll have three or four. So it really depends on where the king studs are and how the house is built, what direction is built in, uh, if it's rectangular or square. Uh, and if it's two-story or one-story, how many king studs you would have as well. You can look up king studs. They're pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, they're bigger and thicker pieces of wood. They hold about anywhere from 1,500 to 2,500 uh, pounds of pressure. Uh, they're usually put in certain areas that would have more sustainable pressure than others. If a king stud broke, you wouldn't have a house. It, well, you may, but it'd be too much pressure on one side. You'd definitely see some structural cracking, and you'd probably hear creaking a lot more. So more likely, studs are going to be your major issue in this factor. Seeing structural cracks and the upper portion going down so the ceiling going down is built from the rafter beam crack chipped or too much weight if you see one along the middle portion of a wall it's more likely a weight bearing wall and the stud or something has cracked broke or someone drilled a hole where they weren't supposed to some people will drill holes through the studs to put in electrical wires which is not the proper way to do it. But there is a construction law that allows you to put a hole through a stud or a beam or even a girder. But it has to be within a certain amount of distance from the left or right side. It cannot be in the middle at all, of course. Um, but it can be like 50% um, of the... So it's, you have... From the left to the middle, within 50%. So if you have a stud that's a, let's see, let's say it's 10 feet long. 
Okay. So 10 feet long means 5 foot would be in the middle. means you have 2.5 feet on the left side. You could put a hole. 2.5 feet on the right side, you could put a hole. That's basically the best way to analyze that. And those holes can have wires or tubing or whatever you want to go through it. Uh, they can't be a certain width. They can't be to the point where the wood, you know, has to be a certain amount. I think it's like 20, 30%. I'd have to look at the book. I haven't seen one in a long time that actually had that. But from my memory, I believe it was 20 to 30% of the, of that area of the wood. Uh, middle piece can be out. So you're probably looking at about a two inch on a two by four, two to four inches on a two by four. No, probably about two inches only then. And then a four by eight, you could probably, you could probably do, um, four inches, something like that. Uh, very rare that you'll see that unless you are looking at the framing of a house or you're looking inside the wall. Some home inspectors will do this, some won't. Um, we have cameras that can look inside walls or in ceilings by uh, taking out a cam light or a light and just putting it in there and then looking around if there's a leak. We're trying to find out where the leak is. Uh, same thing with the walls. If there's like a cat or something stuck and or you hear noises. Some people hear like things running around inside the wall. So they want us to take a look at it. <laughs> That's fun. But yeah, these are the kind of things you'll, you'll hear about. Um, most home inspectors will, will not check inside walls or ceilings. They'll have a plumber do it instead. Plumbers don't even do it. I I mean, I went to one house and they said there was a sprinkler system was leaking. No, no. Uh, the plumber said the upstairs bathtub was leaking. But then when I checked inside the wall or the ceiling, it was a sprinkler system. The home sprinkler system was leaking. So we turned off the water to the home sprinkler and called the company. Uh, and then the manufacturer came out and fixed it for free. So these are the kind of things we see, you know, it's just common, uh, issues, but there's always something going on out there. I mean, even if you're not doing a full home inspection, there's a lot of other things like pool inspections. Uh, you could be doing AC and heating inspections, solar inspections, roof inspections, foundation inspections, siding inspections. I mean, there's so many different things you could do. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's so many things that I, I'd like to talk about more, we're really kind of running out of time for the day. Uh, I'm going to do a YouTube channel, um, a little bit later. So I already have two podcasts going on today and a little bit busy, but I want you to enjoy, if you want to become a home inspector, there's a lot of ways you can go to, um, an inspection class. You can take a look online for videos. The normal inspection class to become an inspector is about $695 for certification. Cheapest one is about $635 for certification. Uh, ASHI, you don't have to join ASHI or, or um, Sacramento inspectors. Uh, Sacramento or California has a program just like ASHI, Mary's Site of Home Inspectors. Mary's Site of Home Inspectors is worldwide, the, uh, the, the whole United States though. And, uh, and they're all over the place. You know, they give you more incentive. If you go with the California Home Inspectors Association, you're probably not going to be getting as much, but you're not paying as much either. Everybody's going to charge you though. Um, and there's also Internachi. They are pretty cheap, like $200 and they, they don't really train that much. You have to kind of have to do additional training yourself. So if you want to become an inspector, learn more about it first, watch some YouTube videos or read up about it. 
find out what's available in your state or country, what you can do to become an inspector, and then what your laws and regulations are when you're an inspector. Some have licenses, some are certified. Other things would be like um, if you need additional training every year, you can join ASHI or another program that can help you out as well. So we always advise that. It's always very good for you to, to kind of learn the best you can. If you're not wanting to become an inspector and you listen to our program to get more information about the housing market or other things, you can go ahead and still comment and message me. I'll give you more information. Um, I can always look things up if you really need me to. I already, I mean, I keep on track of everything really myself. I make sure I know what the housing market is because I'm also always looking for a new house to purchase or uh, to use as a rental property or so forth. So it's always something that's out there for me. And if you are looking to move to the United States, you can always message me as well on here and I can give you more information about what to look forward to. California is a bit different than all the other states um, and the housing market is a bit higher, but there are also a lot of uh, different areas of California that may be cheaper and more affordable or maybe other options uh, that can probably help you out with. We are again the Home Inspection Network. I really appreciate you joining and listening in. Go ahead and keep downloading as much as you want. We are free. We're not going to charge you. Um, there are other people on the podcast. I know that they charge you or whatever have you. Don't worry about it. We're also commercial free. So you're getting your full podcast. You're not listening to commercials in the, in the middle of it. You don't have to worry about all that. And you got the whole podcast without having to listen to some commercial about buying something. So that's always good. And we like to keep it that way. We like to make sure that people are happy. Well, thank you so much and for listening in. And if you have any questions, go ahead and message. Don't forget our email address of homeinspectservicesllc at gmail.com. You can message us anytime. We're available 24-7 for the messaging. Um, and then I know even if you're in a different time zone, we'll get to you. Uh, we're in Western Pacific time. So appreciate our mountain Pacific time. Appreciate it. Hey, have a great weekend. Enjoy yourselves. It's Saturday. And uh, just enjoy the weather if it's nice. If it's not, I hope you enjoy your day anyway. Take care.